Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insight. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insight. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you. Lee, we are so fortunate to get to do this show brought to you by our good friends at Training Pros. This is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the show Director of Enterprise Learning and Development with Gilbane Building Company, Mr. Kevin Clancy. How are you, man? Doing well, Stone. Thanks for having me. Well, Kevin, before we really get into this, can uh, you talk a little bit about Gilbane? How are you serving folks? Yeah, happy to do that. Uh, I've been with Gilbane for about four months, uh, and I've really been impressed with the way that they focus on people here. Uh, we're in construction management, but really it's a people business. Uh, and senior leadership right from the get-go, from the CEO on down, has supported Gilbane University, which is the branded name of the learning and development function here, uh, to really help us optimize our performance, whether it's uh, professional development, management development, leadership development, or a lot of the core building skills that our people need each day to put these buildings up in the air. And uh, you guys were also recognized recently in Training Magazine as one of the uh, top one tw- training top 125, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We uh, were ranked 25 this year, which is up 14 spots from last year. Uh, and it's the 14th year we've been selected in the top 125. Uh, kudos to the team. I really, I walked into this. Uh, they had been really killing it last year, uh, doing great things for our employees here, put together a really great application, and we're fortunate enough to get into the top 25 of the 125 this year. Now, what type of uh, training was being recognized for uh, for the, for winning the award? Like, what were you guys doing? So, a couple of different things jumped out. One is we've got some branded leadership programs here uh, at all levels of the organization that are supported from senior leaders on down. They participate in the events. They put their their name and their weight behind them, and those programs have enabled uh, employees over the years to rise from entry level roles all the way up to the most senior executives. At Gilbane, we've got executive vice presidents, senior vice presidents who have been through the programs. Uh, so telling that story really was helpful for the application and for the award. Also, uh, as I mentioned, the core building curricula that we have out here uh, allows people to learn all of the things they need on their job, get the hands-on experience they need to move up within the specific roles that are out there dealing with our customers and putting the buildings up every day. Uh, and specifically, Uh, We're always about relationships uh, and business development, and we created in partnership with our global marketing team, the doer-seller program, which really helped to, uh, I would say, expand our footprint in ways that we thought about developing business and and winning new projects. And so that was a flagship training that the team participated in that was noted on the award as well. So it sounds like training and learning is kind of part of the DNA of the organization. Has it always been that way? Uh, it's been that way for a long while. So Gilbane's a 145-year-old company, uh, and right from the very beginning, first-generation Gilbane family leadership uh, understood the value of people and, and getting the most out of people. Uh, one of the uh, ranking members of the family, Paul Chiquette Jr., would say that it's a resource never fully utilized, and so we're always seeking to get more out of our people, and that's been a part of the Gilbane fabric right from the jump. Uh, the function that I have the privilege to lead, Gilbane University, is about 20 years old. 
and I'm only the third leader of that function, and it's 20 years. It was started by Bill Gilbain II, another uh, family member who's been a long-standing part of the company as well. When they wanted to really make visible their commitment to people and developing those people. And then uh, Gilbane University, that's something that um, every employee goes through at all levels, or is this just focused on the higher level of folks? Uh, we hit everyone in a variety of different ways. Uh, as you would imagine, there are targeted programs for different levels of manager or leader, but there's a number of great courses available for folks across the company in our professional development curriculum, and again, also the role-based training. Uh, we have a requirement of a minimum of 30 hours of professional development each year, uh, and that includes required content from safety uh, or compliance or other things of that nature, but also a lot of things that folks have the opportunity to select for themselves to further their careers. Uh, in this past year, everyone in the company, the average training was over 30 hours, up 15% from the year before, uh, some nearly 86,000 hours of completed training in the organization. And that's a lot when you're talking 2,800 people. Yeah, no, that's phenomenal. Um, in your career, um, have you seen organizations kind of weave this type of a learning environment this well into their kind of corporate culture? I've seen pieces of it, and I've been fortunate enough to be a part of teams that have helped put some of those pieces in place. Uh, I have to say, though, I haven't quite seen the full end-to-end -end view that I see at Gobain, and it was something that was made apparent to me even during my candidacy and was a real uh, tangible excitement for me in coming into the company was being a part of something. There's always a need to evolve and build new things, um, but I was asked to come in and maintain this legacy and this real commitment to training. Now, have you always been in the uh, learning and development um, space? Uh, I have not. I've, I've been in the L&D world for a long time, uh, and I worked my way up from uh, frontline roles in instructional design and project management up through uh, performance consulting and eventually to managing uh, certain areas within L&D and then functions, and I've done this for a little bit of time. Uh, but I started my career professionally in financial services, actually in back office operations. Uh, and so a lot of the things that I learned there as a young buck coming up in the professional world I still weave into what we do now, uh, a commitment to understanding what the problem is and not just treating symptoms, uh, making sure that we can prove that it works and that we can measure and evaluate the successes. So I like to think that I have become an L&D expert, but I'm not a class, classically trained L&D professional. I've come up through the business, and so I've got a business mindset that I try to bring to GU and to the other organizations I've been a part of. Now, when um, have you seen this impact Gil Bain's um, retention, and it sounds like it's almost a competitive advantage to have this kind of uh, an L&D component just built into the fabric of the company. I would agree. We do use it when we're talking with clients about our dedication to employee development and training, and it's a differentiator there. We use it more in marketing to bring folks in as Gil Bain employees. And we certainly like to think that we are a part of the solution when it comes to retaining folks and developing them over time. Uh, but retention is a challenge, and construction right now is about as hot as it's been uh, in a long time. And so sometimes you train people so well, uh, and you've got such a good brand out there, and Gilbane is a flagship brand in construction management, uh, that people get poached and they get entertained uh, by offers. But a lot of times they find shortly that the grass isn't always greener, 
and they come back and we welcome them back once you're a part of the Gilbane family, always a part of the Gilbane family. So we, we like to think that when people leave, it's only for a little while and they'll make their way back. Well, that's a better outcome than you don't train them and they stay. So I think you're on the right track. <laughs> Agree. Agree. So um, can you share maybe some of the success stories from the employees uh, that the L&D program has impacted? Yeah, so as I alluded to before or spoke specifically about, we've we've had employees that have been here a long time and worked their way up from the front lines, and they've been able to do that in part by investing in their development. Uh, we like to say here that employee development is employee-driven. Development is employee-driven, manager-supported, and company-facilitated, and that three-legged stool is really essential. And we've had employees that have started out as project engineers, which is sort of the entry-level role, and moved their way up through the engineering ranks then through project management and up to project executive. Lots of great success stories with people that have spent 10, 15, 20 plus years uh, with Gilbane that have used uh, some of the training and development opportunities to get there. Uh, also, I had mentioned before that through some of our leadership programs, we really are creating the next generation of Gilbane leaders through our programs. Uh, and we're giving them development opportunities, helping them build relationships and networks and also putting them in front of the experiences that help them get those real-world leadership experiences that prep them for that next level. And so most of our top leadership are homegrown. They've been with Gilbane either their entire career or for the significant majority of their career. Uh, and we consider those some of our greatest success stories. Now, um, can you kind of walk us through how you identify that talent where their potential is and then how you kind of direct them through the process so they can become the leader that you kind of foresee them to be? Sure, sure. And I would say <clears throat> this is, again, a, a great partnership at Gilbane. The talent management practices here are led by our HR organization, and GU rolls up into that HR organization. And I'm a partner with our HR team and helping to move those practices forward. They've got a great annual review process where we look at everyone in the company and assess their potential, uh, assess the ability for them to move into different roles. Uh, we do exhaustive succession planning, uh, and it culminates in a meeting in the fall, which our CEO this past fall in, in 2017 said is the most important day Gilbane will have this year to talk about who are our emergency successors, who are zero to two, all the way down the line. We've got thinking about all of these different employees and where they best can fit to keep this Gildane train moving and then where they need development or experiences or maybe to rotate into a different role in a different region. Uh, we're working to make that happen. So it, it's it's not something that starts and stops. It really is uh, ubiquitous and sort of in the culture of thinking about uh, who is ready next, how can we develop people, where is our talent, uh, how can we make sure they know that when they're identified that we have specific programs for them. Uh, and we've got some great abilities then to capture that information in our HR systems and track their progress. I can look right now on my systems here and tell you for some of our top leaders, what have we done to develop them as emerging leaders over the last 10 years? We have all that information and we can use that then to help chart a course for the next group of emerging leaders that are coming through. Now, does that work um, just in your office, or is this something that's rolled out globally because Gilbane is all over the planet, right? Uh, we are indeed 49 offices, 40 of those in the U.S., uh, looking to expand internationally, but 
certainly we've got people all over the place and, and the number of jobs that they're working on. So it's not just offices. These are folks in trailers. Uh, they're working on job sites all over the place. And uh, this is a global effort, absolutely. And one of the things that's really great is we've got a really solid kind of standardized way to look at our talent and then assess that talent against uh, what our scorecard is, if you will, for what it takes to be a leader at that next level. And again, that's led by folks in our HR side. They do an excellent job of that. And it enables us to have really frank conversations about who's ready, who's not, and what do we want to do with those folks uh, that need that extra development. Now, how do you handle the challenges of when you work internationally, the different kind of idiosyncrasies of the different cultures in those uh, communities you're working in? Biggest challenge for us, and I'm sure that this echoes the thoughts of learning professionals everywhere, is, is the language barrier. If you're training to folks where English is a second language or it's not even on their list of languages at all, what do you do? Do you teach them English? Do you translate into other languages? It's a very time-consuming and cost-costly cost, equation, I should say. And so it, it's, it's a challenge we have to consider. I would say for now, the biggest challenge for us is that a lot of the trades that we work with to get these buildings put up, uh, Spanish is a big language in that population, and we need to think about ways we can connect better in Spanish, not just as English uh, as our primary language. Culturally, we always want to be sensitive to the different ways that people are engaging in business practices. That, honestly, it's true even in the United States. Things are done differently uh, in the Southeast than they are in New York City, uh, and they're not done differently in the Midwest than they might be done in the Southwest or uh, in, in Texas. And so we, we are always thinking about that. We always like to think that we've got local relationships with a global feel. Uh, we want to share those best practices for what works, uh, but not lose sight of the fact that we've got great people in each of those regions that know, the, know those businesses well. And so we want to make sure we're listening to them and trying to tailor either our talent practices or our development content to meet their needs as best we can. Now, if that wasn't enough of a challenge dealing with languages and cultures, um, how do you guys deal with the multi-generation workforce that is now involved in, in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, the millennials. Uh, an important group, certainly. Uh, one that is growing in numbers daily at Gilbane and, and essentially everywhere. Uh, and what's great is it opens up an avenue to really harness technology because this is a group of people who Technology isn't a thing you turn on or off for them. It is just a part of their lives and who they are. Uh, the phrase digital natives, which I'm sure you guys have heard about, is really true. They, there, there is no uh, getting online. Right? It, it, everyone is connected. And so it allows us to use some of the digital platforms that we've really just scratched the surface on. It allows us to use them better. Uh, we can focus on all sorts of distance and social learning where for older generations, that's a bit of a cultural challenge and a behavior shift. Uh, so that's an exciting area. Uh, one thing where we do know we need to get better, though, is around uh, having performance and feedback conversations with millennials and with the newer generation. They just simply don't have the, uh, the span of, of, of patience to think about a yearly review process. I'm going to sit with my manager and hear one day in a year how good I'm doing. Right. I need feedback quarterly. I need mm -hmm. feedback monthly. I want it real time. I want to know what I'm doing, how I can improve. And I want to know if I'm doing well. So I want to be recognized. 
Uh, and if I'm doing well, I want to be promoted. I want to be moved up. I want to be moved around. Uh, very mobile. So those are challenging us to think about not only our training programs, but our entire performance management process and our talent development process. So now um, for Gil Bain, being a family-owned business, was this a challenge for you? Had you worked in family-owned uh, businesses before? I have, and no challenge. And in fact, it was a differentiator for me. I absolutely love the family environment here. Not only the family themselves, but the way that you feel like family being here as an employee. Uh, I worked at a company, Fidelity Investments, which is obviously a large global firm as well, uh, and family-owned. And I worked not too far down the road from here for a number of years and enjoyed that experience as well. And there were some things about it that I really liked that I said, hey, if I get a chance to really kind of pick my destination in the future, I'm going to add these components. And some of those were being private, uh, being family-owned provides a long-term view. Again, Kilbane's 145 years old this year. They don't have to think short-term. They have the, the, the capital and the wherewithal and the patience and the confidence to outlast uh, what would be kind of blips on the radar for other companies, especially public companies. Well, kudos to them for being, what are they, a sixth generation? Uh, are they on the sixth generation at Gilbane? Right. They are. We've got sixth-generation Gildane descendants wow. in all sorts of positions across the company. And that's very unusual for a U.S. firm. We used to do a show on family business here at Business Radio X, and I, um, I, I opened my eyes to some of the challenges that a family-run business has compared to a non-family-run business. And um, the people, though, it, from a corporate culture standpoint, it seems it's like you said, that people love that family feeling that... Um, the family-owned businesses are able to impart on the on the team. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think there are some challenges, certainly. And what's great about that is if you ask family members, if you ask the fourth and fifth generation who are in some pretty high roles in the organization about challenges, they would say, sure, there are. Uh, but we're family first, uh, and we like to put structure around that. There's family governance, and there's a lot of thought and a lot of process behind how decisions are made. Uh, and so I think... There's a, a reality for all the family members that they're not only in a family business, but they are responsible in part for the livelihood of 2,800 people, uh, and they don't take that lightly. And it's an important part of how they think about decision-making, uh, and every one of them to a person. And I, I would think everyone that works here wants to have the company around for another 145 years, even if we won't be lucky enough to be there to see it reach that milestone. Yeah, it is. I mean, but it is an amazing achievement. Just, I mean, the the country hasn't been around for that long, and they's and Gilbane's been around for almost the the whole time. So yeah, uh, I don't, we're not quite there, but 1873 is a long time ago. That's for sure. So, right, that, uh, and it takes it takes a lot of a lot of flexibility, a lot of growth, a lot of admitting when you've made a mistake and learning from it, uh, a lot of savvy to capitalize on the opportunities to get that far. So. I have tremendous respect for the family that got the company to where it is today. So now, what's your vision of the um, enterprise learning and development moving forward uh, now that you're part of the team? Well, one of the other good things about this role is that I've inherited a great team, passionate team, many of whom have been here a long time, and some of whom who have just joined us. We've added a couple of people to our ranks in recent months, and I really think the sky is the limit for GU and what we can deliver. Our challenge is there are greater needs than the resources we have to supply those needs. 
So we're really focused on making sure we do the right work. Over the last few years, we've done a great job with our leadership programming, but we've maybe gotten away, taken our eye off the ball of our core building curriculum, what people inside these walls would say are building better builders. So we need to double down on that. Um, we've got great resources on the team to do that. We've got peer groups across the organization we can use to help prioritize and provide the content. And so that's a big focus for us. The other thing is uh, we we are a heavy in-person delivery shop. Uh, and while there's a lot of potential and benefits that go with that, it's challenging to implement. We can't get to all 2,800 people in a way that makes sense for them. So we have to shift our mindset to making sure we get the content to them when they need it and then providing on-the-job reinforcement opportunities. So that is a cultural shift here. And I'm going to try to lean into that consistently and gently over time uh, with my team to help move us there. Kevin, this is Stone here. Uh, I got a couple questions around the way information and decisions flow in your organization. Where does the information come from that, that suggests to you and your team, hey, we really need to invest some energy in developing some training and development around that topic or that domain. Is it coming from the field? Is it coming from leadership? Or is it a healthy balance of both and more? I would say yes to all. Uh, one of my peers here in GU always says, tell me who my customer is and I can build them whenever they want. Uh, and I would love to give him an easy answer, but the truth is there isn't. Everyone is our customer, and we try to group them as best we can, uh, but we do have leadership who's vocal and passionate about how to develop our leaders and our managers. We also have our frontline, frontline employees who are on the projects each day realizing uh, the, the safety, uh, sort of the safety bar that's been raised by Gilbane and what we need to do to make sure people are safe on the job how we deliver high-quality and profitable jobs. So there's there's training ideas that come from the field. We know managers in general have a significant need for development and need lots of support in organizations. So we take our cues from that population. We use employee engagement surveys, uh, manager feedback surveys. We use our participant uh, surveys and evaluations from our courses. And also, we try to get out there into the market and understand what our competitors are doing in construction management, there's actually a really cool practitioner group uh, called CIRTN, Construction Industry Roundtable. It's a training group of construction management firms. It's a really neat way to say, hey, listen, we're competitors, but in this space, we need all of our hands pulling on the same rope. Uh, so we take direction from that group. Uh, we look at industry surveys. There's FMI, which is another great industry benchmark for us. So we take a healthy mix of top, bottom, inside, outside. We try to take all of that together uh, and make the ingredients for what are a really valuable learning plan for each year. Uh, we sit down at the beginning of the year, we just did this in January, with each of our 10 divisions. And our participation includes SVP level all the way down, which is really great. That's something you don't see a lot of places. And we talk through all of their needs and we lay out all of the different training opportunities and then create a learning plan that they're held to and we meet on each quarter. So it's not just ideas in a room. It's actually how do we put a plan in place and take action on that. Now, um, how do you determine kind of the ROI of some of these, these learnings? Were you able to take anything from Fidelity back here in terms of kind of quantifying um, some of the successes? 
Galara Alliance, sort of, I guess, the holy grail slash unicorn of learning and development. Uh, and the, the truth of the matter is any metric that moves up or down in a positive or negative direction is the, the result of a number of actors, including L&D. And so for us to be able to isolate and say, well, this increase in productivity or this reduction in turnover or this improvement in employee engagement is solely L&D is sort of a fool's errand for me. It, you don't solve the problem alone, and so you shouldn't look to, to take the credit or isolate your your benefit alone. But I can tell you that we've got a number of metrics that we use that we stay close to uh, around things that are typically uh, metrics you would see in other companies like retention and employee engagement, uh, customer satisfaction, things of that nature that we use to help assess if our programs are moving the company in the right direction. And I, I'd say in general, those have been very positive although there's always opportunities for us to do what we do better. Now, for you personally, do you have any advice for somebody that is new to a role like you are and you're, uh, what'd you say, four months in-ish? Um, how, to, how to kind of transition from one opportunity to another in order to listen to what's being out there and then to kind of start implementing your vision of how things should be? You just go in guns a-blazing, tell them there's a new sheriff a change, in New town. change. There's going to be some changes. <laughs> Shoot them up. Uh, you know, actually, I would definitely say that that's evolved over the years for me. I think this is my sixth career stop, and you get a little bit smarter with each one. And it starts with really understanding who you are and what you want in your career. Uh, I didn't move because I had to move. I wasn't at the end of a plank with a knife at my back. I, I had an opportunity to stay at a good firm, but I chose the better long-term career opportunity. And I had to really think about what's important to me. What type of environment is important to me and what is right for me and my family. So that's number one, because I think a lot of people get excited by a big new title or a new salary. And, and I'll tell you, those are exciting at first, but they fade. And if the company doesn't fit, then you're going to have a really hard time being comfortable and enjoying what you do. And let's face it, we give up a lot of other things to come to work every day. We're excited to move the needle forward professionally, but it's a commitment you have to make at the sacrifice of your family and other things. So you better enjoy it. You better believe in what you're doing. So step one, best advice is take time to understand who you are and what motivates you and try to find companies that support that or complement that. Second thing is when you get in to the company, stop talking, which is weird on a radio interview to say, but just listen. Uh, I'm getting better at this. I am no expert in listening, but I understand the importance and the value. And just take time to listen to what people are saying and understand uh, what their needs are so that you can gain the credibility. Uh, Larry and I were talking about street cred earlier. You've got you've to walk a mile in their shoes. I visited the job sites early on here at Gilbane. I will do it next week when I head to Chicago. I'll do it later in the year when I head out to other sites. Not only do I enjoy it, but I think it's important for me to say I'm willing to be out there shoulder to shoulder and understand what your life is like in the job every day, whether it's good weather or bad. So listen is the second thing. And the third thing is trust yourself. You didn't get here by accident. There's a good chance you have a lot of skills that are valuable to the organization. Being an outsider can be really valuable to an organization, bringing in different perspectives, tempering them with what you're hearing inside. Uh, so those are the three things that I've used here. So far, they served me well, and I would give that advice to anybody making the move. And for you, this must be exciting time. You are uh, starting a new thing with a new uh, industry, learning new things, and really um, in a good spot. It sounds like this is an exciting firm. Uh, 
that's doing that's really passionate about what they do and that's passionate about uh, learning and development. I mean, they seem all in on this, and um, it was it was great speaking with you. If somebody wanted to learn more about Gilbane, is there a website? Uh, you can certainly go out to www.gilbaneco.com, learn more about the company, get a sense of our job opportunities. Maybe you're contemplating a career change. Uh, but I would say it isn't just about construction management here. We've got roles all across the board, especially those corporate roles like finance and marketing and HR and sales and all these other things. So uh, potential opportunities everywhere, but you can also learn more about the business. And just to follow on what you said, I am really happy to be here. I've got a great leader as my boss. I've got a great team around me. Those are the biggest assets to start with. Uh, but I am excited to be in a new career and, and kind of get my hands dirty in construction management. I have to say, I've been excited about that. There's just something tangible and real about that. That, to me, is motivating. Uh, and I like to learn, and I'm being challenged because I am not an expert in what these folks do every day, far from it, and I'm not sure that I'll ever catch them. Uh, but so it challenges me to think about how to really deliver learning and development at its core and at its sort of parts related to how you put together learning and development without being the subject matter expert, which is a really fun thing for me to think about and a challenge for me to think about in a new way. Well, after a few minutes conversation with you, Kevin, I am absolutely convinced that you're up for that challenge. It has been such a delight having you on the show this afternoon. Great. Thanks, Stone. Thanks, Lee. It's been a lot of fun. All right. This is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor. Our guest today, Kevin Clancy, our good folks over at Training Pros who bring us this show, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights.